<laughs> Yo, welcome to the link up where we will take your bitch, fuck your bitch in the ass, and call DCFO, S- call DCFS on them. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, and say that that's, she that's, is that's, uh, holding our kids in a crack house. That's extreme. <laughs> <laughs> that's somebody's normal, though. So. Yes, it is. It's my norm. <laughs> Word, you know, <laughs> I be taking other people, women, fucking them in the ass, nothing. Yeah, fast. Call DCFS <laughs> on them and tell them, yo, she holding the kids in the crack house. Come and get the bitch. Jesus Christ. Yeah, man. What's she do? World out here. What's she, what's she do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I made it up as I was going along. Didn't work out. Oh my gosh. What's oh, going man. on, my guys? How y'all been? I'm good, good. Chilling. We're, we're, it's yeah. a beautiful day. Have you guys been outside? I have not. I have been, been uh, kind of cloudy out here where I'm at, but it's been pretty mild. Good temperature. Yes. Well, we in the same city, but yeah. Oh, you, you know what it's like. We're about to get that uh, heat wave coming in a couple of days, though. Yes, sir. I need to uh, get this uh, young air condition up and running. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm looking like a slave doing these podcasts with some sweating and stuff but yeah. maybe shirtless and shit on like yeah fire. you know like whoo <laughs> <laughs> start seeing me in some faux profits tank tops and shit you know like, man interrogation or something but, yeah. right <laughs> nigga be like ain't no no lights or nothing <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> trying to conserve energy right uh, the, the conservative podcast what's going on man um so first topic open it up what do you guys rank az as far as mcs um to me he is he's up there with like uh like a raekwon uh, i feel like they're fairly similar as far as skill set and what they bring to the table so i mean i i don't know if you i don't know where in the list of numbers you would rank them but He's been consistent throughout his whole career. Even if you have albums you may not fully like, he's never had like trash. You know? Is he top? Is he top twenty? With somebody, I'm sure. I don't know if he would be <laughs> in my top twenty, but he'd probably be close though. I mean, you know, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't frown on somebody saying that you know he's in their top. He, he's dope enough to belong there. He'll round out a, a cool top 30 for me. I think. Top 30? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, if we're talking, because there's no, no, we're not talking to strict criteria, so it's like, if, it, if it's all the rappers that I really rock with, then he's, you know what I'm saying? He, he ain't in the top 10 rappers. I don't, I don't, he don't meet that rotation. Anybody in top 10 is rotation worthy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And top 20, the, the 11 through 20 is going to be the ones that, you can sub in in your rotation. You don't mind making that transition. You know, same thing with the 20 through 30. So you kind of like, you kind of strip away all the bullshit. Like, I can't even tell you. I don't even have a favorite AZ verse. I'm going to keep it a buck with you. But when he spit, I'd be impressed, like, with the way he structured his bars and stuff like that. He's always been consistent. You know what I'm I saying? I think Life's a Bitch. Was it, is that, what's, what's the name of that song? Life's yeah. a Bitch and Then You Die. Yep, that's that it. was an ill verse. Yeah, I mean that's, that's that was my introduction to who to him. So I think that's everybody's introduction, really. He was, yeah. Um, so for him to come out the gate spitting 
at that level, especially considering that even for back then, not a lot of rappers were putting their words together in that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But again, it's worth it. it you got to factor in a lot of different stuff if if you really want to place him in a higher position because we're talking the entertainment value of, of his music, the entertainment value of his bars. You know what I'm saying? Does he is he able to hold my attention long enough to, you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes a lot of that shit just be like technical for the sake of being technical, man. So you, mm-hmm. you think he's do you think he's a lyricist? He's definitely yeah. a lyricist. Yeah, he's, sure. that. he's not he's he's not he's not a rapper's rapper. No, I'm not saying? at all. Rap is more than just like a lyricist. I think I feel like this. And I, I had to take some time to really think about this because this was like a larger conversation I was having with somebody before. But like when you talk lyricist, lyricist is just, in my opinion, because I'm a writer, it's just a subcategory for the overall act of rapping. So like when people start talking about like who's a better rapper, you can't you can't just say because this person's technical ability is above somebody else's that they're a better rapper. They're a better lyricist than like like. AZ is a better lyricist than Tupac, but Tupac is a better rapper than AZ. You see what I'm saying? Because of the appeal factor, charisma, and things like that. Yeah, he, so, embody, he embodies a whole bunch of different technical elements that make him the better rapper than AZ. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, he's... Like I said, I don't think he's ever exceeded what he did on Life's a Bitch. Like when he did Sugar Hill... I was like, ah, that song, all right, but it sounds right. it sounds like he's trying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It sounds like he's reaching. It didn't sound like he didn't make it sound effortless. Mm. I, I think mean, that's one of the things that Nas struggled with as well. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Nas can make his singles, but like to consistently be to go into that bag and say, you know what, I'm doing this not because the label requires it, but because I'm capable of doing it. It just sounds contrived. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas Pop was just making fucking singles. <laughs> yeah, all day, every day. I'm saying and then nigga did keep your head up and I get around. There was like what three songs, four four songs apart on that album. Brenda's got a baby. Wait, oh yeah, you talking about the album? You know, strictly for my niggas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I spent the whole I listened to AZ's whole catalog this week. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of, you know, familiarize. Make, make make sure I wasn't missing something. Um, I think if he if he had a, a Illmatic or something in his catalog, then people will probably talk about him more. But he has good albums, but none of them have ever been exceptional. It yeah, they're, they're, they're just solid. They're solid pieces of work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He has solid bodies of work. I think the one of my favorite ones. I forgot. I think it opens up with him reading a letter from from uh, from fans or something like that. I forgot what uh, album that is. Like yeah, I did too. Early two thousands. Yeah, he got a few, but it's an album he's reading. He's reading the letters from the different fans and everything like that, and, and how they correlate to him, and you know the inspiration that they give him, and you know all that stuff. So uh, how one girl, I think she named her child after him or something like mm-hmm. that, and it was all that. But I think that was one of my favorite albums right there. It's a really solid piece of work, but I don't think he ever did like a classic album. No, not at all. I mean, he's, he's not for me anyway. He's one of those rappers that come from the school of Rakim, where it's like Rakim had the singles. You know what I'm saying? Koozie Rap had a couple 
singles, but he was part of a crew that kind of represented something else. So it kind of made him pop out a little bit more. So that, like, when you look at that lineage of lyricism and you look at the, the capabilities of everybody that come down that, that, that family tree of lyricism, it kind of makes sense that AZ is the type of rapper that he is. And it also makes sense as to why uh, he didn't have the, the level of success that he probably could have had if people were more in, in tune with that brand of rap. You know what I'm saying? That's why people struggle with Nas versus Jay-Z because Jay-Z come from that lineage, but Jay-Z also splintered off. You know what I'm saying? He come from the Jiggy era. You know what I'm saying? Nas came pre-Jiggy era. AZ came pre-Jiggy era. So when the Jiggy era came, if they even stuck their foot into that, they look like they're trying too hard. You see what I'm saying? Because they had already established who their personalities were prior to that era even hitting. And it would be told that they were selling out. It, it would have looked yeah. like it. It yeah. looked like that's why you had the uh, the Esco era of Nas. You know what I'm saying? Our season has returned. It was like one of those things where, like the again having that having that uh, I guess that label push to kind of like compete against the bad boy machine would have done that to a rapper of that ilk. You know what I'm saying? Because prior to that, dude. Like if you think about it, before Bad Boy really popped off, it was it was open season for rappers. Anybody could do mm-hmm. anybody could do whatever the fuck they wanted to do. That's why Wu Tang popped off. Wu Tang would have never had their opportunity if they came out post Bad Boy. It would have been hard. It would have been hard trying to push hard. that music. Super hard. Yeah. Puffy came and reshifted the focus of the game, so it kind of like it created that lane where a dude like Hov can come out and really do what he did with. The Rockefeller machine. You know what I'm saying? And that's why Jay, that's why AZ never really got his 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 proper due because in my opinion, it was it was a twofold problem. He had already been introduced to the to the game. So everything, everybody who was gonna rock with him was already gonna be rocking with him. But secondly, a dude comes out and his name is down there like his name, and a dude has a better, <laughs> a better tool set, a better toolkit, and a longer run in terms of being a recognizable face. You know what I'm saying? Whole face was recognizable. Hawaiian Sophie did that for him. Yeah. Um and it, it didn't it didn't hurt Hove to have Dame running 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 around behind the scenes getting shit done either. Yeah. Not at push, all. Pushing all those buttons. Yeah he had he had he had a machine behind him. Um that's I think what A for A Z was more so about him getting signed, right? And then showing that he, you know, he he was a dope ass, he was a dope MC. Yeah, Queensbridge dudes, you know, about it. Some people are good rappers again, some people are dope MCs, some people are dope lyricists. There's so many different layers and levels to it, but essentially it's all a business. And mm-hmm. when you when you bring your own machine to the business, you're gonna find that success. Nas never had his own machine. That's why he was under searchlight publishing. I don't even know who AZ was riding under, but you think about it like this, he was third, he was third hand. So he was getting residual fame off of Nas's success. So even his opportunity to be his own man and shine was already tainted. It didn't seem like he was making a like a hard push to be like that guy or to be out. I I think he was probably just cool with being a feature, but he didn't expect to get the buzz and the pop off that he did. And it was time to capitalize. And he just wasn't equipped to really fully, firmly capitalize on it because the game is the game. You know what I'm saying? Nas drops and all of a sudden Biggie comes out. You know what I'm saying? And 
and the bad boy machine t- did what it did. Then you had the East, the West Coast rap coming in. And then you had Dev Row, yeah, Dev Row making his move and push. And then you had Pac in the midst of all, all the focus, all the attention and focus that should have been on guys like Nas and AZ was was scattered. Because think about it, whole struggle the first two albums before he even had, had his real big hit with Hard Knock Life. You see what I'm saying? So it was like that that East Coast, West Coast shit was like a big distraction from like what what these up and coming artists who really wanted to get their own shine. And Ghetto Boys was making some noise too. They, I, it dep- I guess that all depends on where you were when they was actually doing it because right. at that in that era in time it was more it was more A Ball and MJG and UGK yeah. than Ghetto Boys back then. Yeah. So I guess yeah. like if you were like really checking for Ghetto Boys back then, you'd probably be, you know what I'm saying, hearing them more. But it was really A Ball and MJG, Tila and No Limit and all of those guys capitalizing on that. You know what I'm saying? The music scene was crazy back then, man. It really was. That's that was the beginning of the end, though. That's when the corporations really started realizing the commercial value of the music. Pac was the catalyst for all of that, bro. Yeah. And then they saw that and I was like, yo, we need to do, we need guys to do more of that right there. We need that. We need the ice cubes. We need the, we need the, the, the two Pacs and all. We need that shit. We need to repeat that. What matters to you guys most? Lyricism, a dope rapper. Does it, does it, do you guys care? Uh, I don't really care a lot. I mean, I, I, I don't want to, um, I don't want to listen to somebody, you know, Tom, ABC, you know, computer putin stuff. <laughs> yeah, like you can hear, but overall, I would like something a little bit above that. But it depends on the song, really. Like third songs, like like Method Man, M-E-T-H-O-D Man, a song full of nonsense. It means nothing. It's just all style and the beat. Still love the song, but yeah, I mean, this song means nothing. It's, <laughs> it's That's true. gibberish. Just That's true. flow, right? Like, yep. For me, it's got it's the same thing. I, it's got to have some substance to it, but it don't. I don't want, and this is my personal preference. It's been this way for years. Like I always been a big Red Man fan. Me too. And mm-hmm. um, but Red Man was able to make catchy songs. Right. And back then, I guess he understood. He working with EPMD and these guys, and he watched it work. He, he was a DJ before too, so he knew how that goes. Um, so for me, like uh, the reason why Busta Rhymes resonated with so many people and why LONS struggled their first two albums is because of this very factor. You gotta have, you gotta, you gotta possess all of that. I don't, I can't listen to like a a, a rapidy rap lyrical rapper. For the sake of listening to lyrical rap, just so I can say, man, <laughs> my favorite rapper, all he be spitting bars. He be spitting right? bars all day. Yeah. I don't, yeah, man, I don't want to hear that shit. Not if all I, day. In case, I be, I, I mean, because really, most of the time, those rapidy rappers can't pick beats. You know what I'm saying? They, they, or they be trying to be tribute rappers. They just live in that. They live in their heyday. They live in their past. Nostalgia. And they, yeah, everything just be, it's contrived. It's all made up. And then you got the ones who don't even try. They can make the fuck out of a hit, but they don't be talking about nothing. You right. see what I'm saying? So, like, somewhere in that middle, it works perfect for me. Like, I can listen to, like, some bullshit just for the sake of listening to it because odds are it's probably a little bit more entertaining than the rapidy rap dude. If I wanted to listen to some rapidy rap shit, i just watch a documentary. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I listen to some... I listen to PBS 
news stories and shit. Because a lot of the times, that's I think that's what kind of like that showed the true struggle of a Razcast. You know yeah. Razcast could rap his ass off. He, he lyrical as fuck. But once you give him an opportunity to work with Dr. Dre and make a single, they like nigga fumbled through. Oh, I got it. And fumbled the fuck out of it because he wasn't equipped for it. He didn't have a tool set. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I don't think he understood because I think that was one of the things that he said. He said at some point in time in the interview, he said, "I had the beat, I had the song." And I didn't wait. I should have just waited. <clears throat> Dre told me not to put it out, and I and I pushed it. And when it dropped, it didn't do shit. And the reason why you got you gotta gotta figure out why I guess Dre didn't want it released was like everything is about timing for Dre, and Dre had an understanding of that. And for him, if you were to release it before its time, you would make him look bad and and make yourself look bad in the process. And Dre was. Dre, you can tell Dre is very careful about what he puts out and when he puts it out. And if you it's going to consider when that single came out for Razzcast, it wasn't that far behind Dre actually using that instrumental as an interlude right. on one of his music videos. Yep. You know what I'm saying? For that been there, done that song. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So Dre telling him to wait was he didn't want his he didn't want his own shit to get stepped on. You know what I'm saying? Aftermath was really just becoming what it whatever whatever his vision for it was before the Eminem's, before Eve signed, all of that. Aftermath was just a it was like a collection of artists that he was trying to find the right pieces for. So Razcast could have actually capitalized and become part of that fold had he just followed that, those instructions. You know what I'm saying? Because Dre was trying to bounce. Sometimes back. niggas gain weight though, right? Like they, yeah, everybody everybody jumps the gun and gets too anxious sometimes. Yeah, I mean, Dre. I think- I think it's a, I think it's a maturity thing too, man. Mm-hmm. Artists be so in their own head, you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I get it. You get the opportunity to do something that's dope, and and one of your idols gave you the tools to do it. Also, that instruction was a part of that toolkit. But like, I got the beat, I got the look. Let me go ahead and just drop this. And Dre was like, "Hold on, slow down. Let's let's wait on this." No, I got it. Dre Dre can't honor that. You know what I'm saying? And he probably, you know, knowing him because it, like you said, it is a business. I probably can't fuck with you for a while, you know, until we figure out how to bounce back and get that in, and get that in order or move past it because you just messed up. You just messed up the the what you the, the market the marketability of 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 music for you and myself. You you kind of fucked it up. Think about it like this: Dre used that beat. And the way that he used it and the people's reaction to that, because I think he was waltzing with the chick or some shit like that. Yeah, there was in like a ballroom yeah. or something. People, people talked about that. That was pre, you know what I'm saying? Early, early days of internet. You know what I'm saying? People was in the uh AOL chat rooms or whatever. That probably was like a big conversation. And he knew that it was an opportunity to put an artist that he had respect for on that beat and actually do something that was with worth, you know what I'm saying, using that beat for. And the dude that he chose didn't have the discipline to say, all right, let's let's be real methodical with this. Because that whole album, where well, he had RZA produced on that album, he had Twister yep. on that album. The album was actually not bad. It was a good album, Rat Assassination, right? Yeah, it's so solid. The theme of it, the theme of it was dope. You know what I'm saying? It was like- Interview with a Vampire. Like he had some really good songs on that shit, man. And uh, so- Coogee Sweatsuit, Coogee, 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 Coogee. <laughs> 
Yeah. It was just a, it, it was just one of them things. We all we all kind of like I guess we all like you said feel that that urge or whatever to really just do something. He probably didn't want to be based on where he come from again. He come from the school of lyrical miracle worker rappers where it's like he 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 don't want to he don't want to be under somebody else's shadow. You know what I'm saying? It's all ego. That's the same thing you could say happened with uh Chino XL. You know what I'm saying? A rapper who used the word like a million times because all his mm-hmm. punchlines, all his punchlines are fucking similes. Similes, yeah. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? It's like some people can't step outside of that. And then then also somewhere in that gradient spectrum, you got those who 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 were awesome at it again, like Buster Rhymes. You know what I'm saying? Dude, he could he could he could make you the, the biggest club banger you've ever heard in your life and still stand toe to toe with some of the lyrical rappers in battles and shit like that. Is he the best of them all in either one of those categories? He don't need to be. Yeah, don't matter. His skill set spreads across all of that. And he's highly respected too because of what he's been able to do and for so long. So, and if you want to test it out, I'm quite sure he's going to agree to that, you know, so. Yeah, of course, yeah. And he's got a unique voice, you know what I'm saying? Like so many layers and levels to that shit. That's why, again, to roll it all the way back, take it back to AZ, that's where AZ couldn't, he, he was, he was too, he was too soon in his pursuit of what he thought the game was ready for. The game was changing while he, when he landed, you know what I'm saying? The focus of the I think uh, the other part sometimes has to do with, I think what you, I think you already said it, like the stubbornness to, to, to just, to just chill out or to just evolve in the process of all that. Not saying that you've got to be a shiny suit rapper or anything like that, but you at least take heed to the surroundings of that, to the, to the scene to understand what's going on and say, look, I can do a little bit of that, or I I can mix it up and have features with those type of guys, but I'm not going to be totally involved with that type of, that type of club popping and shit like that. So, cause they was popping shit, man. Puffy was popping shit. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 could, he could do that, though. <laughs> yeah, he could literally he do that. His 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 resume spoke for itself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Mary J. Blige success, the Jodeci success, you know what I'm saying, the Andre Harrell look, all of that shit. He, he, to this day, he could pop his shit. I watched the interview he did with his girlfriend. I was like, this nigga just, he, he a different level. Of, he Every bit of arrogance and cockiness this nigga possessed. Who, who, who gonna say something? Right. Yeah. With that what record. You, right. With that record. What can you really say? This nigga, he owned it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shoot, AZ, if AZ was with him, he probably could have did a lot more. I think but AZ. But you think that would have been a good look? Would that have worked? Shit, Considering like Sugar work. Hill and all them other songs, his sound wasn't that far away from what Puffy was doing in, right. in reality. So. And it was because Puffy was doing it. Yep. So yeah. So I mean, it. I mean, we see what happened with most people with Puffy, but I mean, he still probably would have did pretty well in that environment. For as long as you know, like one of the first record execs that really stood toe to toe against the system and did what the system was doing, and his artists, <laughs> for better or worse, never even saw it coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. That nigga was like, hey, I'm getting all your publishing. Like, 
I'll make a star out of you, but you can do what you want with the fame and the, and all that shit, but I'm, I need that bread. <laughs> it is not up to me to read you your contract to you or show you what's going on. Man, because that's, that's how I view Puff. I look at Puff like he just, he's probably, he probably could have did better business practices, but who am I to say? Because he got the outcomes. You know what I'm saying? His his record speaks for itself in that, in that sense. And he's just following to a certain degree, I guess you can say he's just following what? Following the blueprint. Yeah, he's following what the record labels are doing. So exactly. it ain't got nothing to do with him being black. Like that's Puffy ain't Puffy ain't your ain't your brother. He ain't your daddy. That's what they said that uh Heavy D did to Soul for real. Like they had they they had they uh two hit singles. They did the mm-hmm. uh, the Candy Rain, Candy Rain. Every little, and everything, every little thing you do. And yeah. after that, it was like, all right, what y'all niggas want to do? And them niggas had the same mentality. I can't wait. And they just started doing their own thing. And Heavy D was like, you know what? Ain't no discipline over here. I'm not going to fuck with y'all. I'm going to go move over here and do something else. And that's the way the game do it, man. Like, dude, if, I, if I'm invested in you, trust me. I've been in this game a little longer than you. Trust me. Let me show you. Because I wouldn't be fucking with you if I didn't see the, the, the possibility for us to eat. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. already in it. I'm already in it. All I need you to do, because I, I I wrapped my arm around you and brought you over here, is to slow down and let me steer this ship. Listen to me and let me work this out. I'm already here. I've been driving this whip for a while. I just picked you up because I seen what was going on. Saw you over there. You was a bucket boy hitting, hitting the buckets. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I could have just threw you a couple of dollars, but I told you to get in with me. So get I in, Yeah, you. get in the G-Wagon and, and, and let, let me, me show you how to do this. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times that's if you look at like a lot of the artists who had the has the story of could have been something bigger, a lot of times that'd be exactly what it is. Like uh cannabis says that White Clef spoiled his his opportunity. Dude, it's possible. It, it's possible, but this nigga was wrecking, he was wrecking features for what two and a half summers. Yeah. This nigga was eating, he was eating features. Throw oh, up a, a common commons uh song on one day it all makes sense. That yeah. one. That, that verse, I remember when I heard that verse, I rewind that shit maybe like 15 times. Like the way he structured his bars and illustrated his the the picture he was painting, or the, the verse he did on the on the firm album. I wouldn't yeah. when I remember when I first heard that album, it was on a burnt CD, so I didn't even see the, the track list, and I'm just listening to it, and I'm like, is this nigga cannabis on this album? Right, All the shit right. I'm listening to this, and he eating on this album. He's murdering this shit. Yeah, he was he was he was tearing shit down, man. And but when it came down to actually producing an album that was going to be his signature album, again niggas fumbled. Niggas fumbled. You know what I'm saying? They they again it it can't always be what you what you want it to be, but you have a damn lyrical spiritual miracle. Oh, it's a it's yeah. I mean, Inspector Deck. Inspector Deck was the, the the lyrical miracle star of Wu Tang. You know what I'm saying? He got probably the most iconic verse out of all Wu Tang verses ever done. I bomb atomically. But when you look at his catalog of work, it's a dude. He did he do like four album reviews where he listened to four the, the first four albums of an artist and he did like a breakdown in the summary of like what he thought of their albums in retrospect. And he even said, he was like, Inspector Deck is an awesome wordsmith. You can't take anything away from that, but his idea of songwriting is horrible. 
That's I can see why. Did he did he explain that? Yeah, he went into it. He was like breaking down like he he picked certain songs from each one of those albums and gave used them as examples of why he feels this way. He's like, yeah, I can listen to some Inspector Deck, but he said it'd be a short list. He said I have to create a playlist so I can at least digest his music because his way he writes songs, the way he makes music, is is difficult to actually digest. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I love I love lyrics. I love lyricism, but I can't listen to that shit all day. Like it needs to switch up at some point. Like it, it can't all be the same shit all day. It can't be a bunch of killing. It can't be a bunch of lyrics. It can't be a bunch of fuck bitches. It got to be everything with within that. Um, I, for me, I can listen to I, I want the lyricism to to surprise me. I want to be surprised by the capabilities of the artist, meaning you your pen game is already without a doubt. The, the reason I'm here, but I want to hear you do things where like make a song that I didn't expect you to make. Don't just be, don't just rap my, don't rap me to death. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to hear you just fucking punchline in the shit out of me while I'm listening to this fucking song. I want to hear a song about something. Yeah, yeah I mean. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, write a song why, about something. Right, I mean, that's why Feral Mancha is my, always in my top two or three. Cause every Feral Mancha album, he's not just going, you know, throw bars at you for 16 songs. Right. You got a crazy range of stuff he goes through. You might see him singing on something, talking about or a bullet dancing around like Elvis or something. You know, he'll give you a bunch of wild stuff, but yeah, it's always quality. And the, and the, the way he puts the work into making sure those songs become what they are is evident. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Some people get so wrapped up in their ability to just rap that they forget to entertain you too. Yeah, because he, he'll go to church with you. He'll do some rock and roll with you, mm -hmm. you know, and then he'll go through his life and breaking down certain things, you know, being one of the one of the better MCs, but not getting the credit. Um, As of late, do you think like Royce 5'9 fits that category? I think his, yeah. I think his, especially in his latest couple yeah. uh, projects, he's really explored that avenue, that part of who he is as an artist. And I think he learned that through the Slaughterhouse run yeah like that uh because he said in an interview that uh joe button kind of challenged him on his content and it made him rethink the way he approached writing songs yeah, he thank said, him for that he said joe button was like nigga we already know you got a big dick and you got you keep a gun <laughs> right. so you say that on every fucking verse <laughs> what else you got and he said they argued about it for a little bit and he just decided to pick up the pen and do something else and the book of ryan was the result well, Man. like like Smitty said, you got to be thankful for that because everything was just based about based around being a lyricist and, and and talking about his guns and his dick. So, and then Joe on the opposite end of that was more the emo rapper. So he was talking about a lot of personal, emotional stuff. And again, him being a lyrical miracle rapper, his 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 kryptonite was beat selection. You know what I'm saying? He he was a like from what I remember listening to like uh, his mood music shit, he liked long form instrumentals. He liked music, mm -hmm. music you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he liked to have like uh, a bridge between the verse. So he'll rap, he'll rap 32 bars, have a fucking two minute bridge. And then all of a sudden another verse come in like, nigga, I thought this song was over. Nope. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's the type of shit Joe would do, but see that's the experimental side. So 
But the thing is, like, he was always a nonconformist when it came to came to that shit. You know what I'm saying? He was always the nonconformist. When you're a lyrical miracle rapper, you kind of you. I know how it is. I have my own idea of what type of songs I want to write. I, I have my own idea of how I want, want these songs to come out. And I just happen to be fortunate enough to have the capability of creating a sound that I want to rap over. But when you're the guy with the pen in hand and you're depending on somebody else to create these beats for you, only thing they're giving you is either what they got already, what they got for you that they've made, or what you're, what their interpretation of what you want is. Those right. are the things. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm sitting with somebody and I want them to make a beat and I'm co-producing this beat, I'm only, the outcome is only going to be as good as my capability and their capability in terms of articulating that idea. So a lot of people just sit around and they get emailed a shit ton of beats and they pick from that ton of beats. I'm like, oh, I think I can write to this. And mm -hmm. the beat don't sound like shit they need to be rapping over. And like I said, for me, I, I go where the beat goes, you know, if the beat sounds like this, or if it sounds a certain way, if it, I'm telling the story on it, I'm telling the story. If I'm being lyrical, I'm being, I'm being lyrical. But right. I've also found out that when you're talking to producers or whatever, they can't necessarily capture exactly what you want. They don't hear the shit that you're hearing. They're only trying mm -hmm. to put themselves in the realm of, of your understanding. But that, that's about as far as it goes. Like no one really knows what it is that you want because you can't do it. So you're asking everybody else, to go, hey, can you make me a Pete Rock beat? Can you make me an Agent Smith beat? Can you make me a 606 beat? Can yeah. you do this? Can, make can me you a do that? Type beat? You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and it's not it's not your job. I mean, unless you unless you're one of those guys that like doing it, it's not necessarily your job to go in there and produce that type of shit. But if you can, you do it and then for some of them, they go, no, that ain't what I'm looking for. But this is this is what you asked for. So um, usually if I if, if I ask you or Smitty for, you know, just throw some beats in the folder so I can go, I just go off of what's in there and I write to, I write songs based around what I'm getting. And then later on, I'll say, hey, can you change this? Can you change that? Can you maneuver this around or do things like that to right. make it work? I mean, that just comes from like, for me, because I'm similar. I, that come from just growing up writing to other people's instrumentals anyway. Mm -hmm. So I I, so I used to buy maxi cassette singles and it would have the uh, instrumentals on there. And it might even have like a remix instrumental on there. And I'd be in the crib just writing my raps to these beats. And sometimes I'll even record the little shit and put it on cassette and just study the way I wrote it to that beat. And that's how, you know what I'm saying? I, I learned bar structure and learn how to, uh, work on my cadence and stuff like that. But a lot, I mean, most artists don't have that full tool set. So it's not, it should, it should never be an expectation. But if you know you can't cook gumbo, but you like to eat gumbo, and every time you try to cook your own gumbo, it don't taste right. Do you go and tell the motherfucker who makes good gumbo, they ain't doing it right because it's not what you imagine it to, you know what I'm saying, to, to come out like? No. Nah. You got to trust the chef, right? No, I go like, with the person of, that can make the gumbo, man. A lot of a lot of rappers struggle with that. You know what I'm saying? They don't have like they don't have a signature sound because they don't trust the producer in that way. So that's why you got like these albums that came out in the last twenty or so years where it's multiple producers on one album because they don't even know what they sound should be. Nope. You know what I'm saying? Like you have, I think, was it? What little brother was like one of the first 
acts to come out that had like had a signature sound in that era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two thousands. Yeah, yeah. They were like the first ones in the wild to have their own signature sound, and then as and then Kanye came out and he being self produced. You see what I'm saying? But his sound necess- didn't necessarily it, it didn't sound like everything he had worked on for other people. So they show his his capabilities. Like he could have easily just produced his first album and it came out like some like uh rock lot familiar and and mm-hmm. in the blueprint, but he said, All right, that was that that was for that. My capabilities and my sound is this. I'm gonna give you this over here. So like to be that to have that capability and that flexibility is real key nowadays, man. Because yeah, his own shit for his own albums was kind of like let more layer. Than Always. the stuff that he mm-hmm. did for everybody else. It was more layers and different things that he did with his own shit. It's because he knows, again, when you exist in your own head, you know you, your imagination for what it is you want is going to be a little bit more robust. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, you bring them, if I bring them same ideas that I want for me to you, and I've, I've seen it happen. I don't ever say nothing, but I've seen it happen. Like a beat that I will fucking kill. And I, if I present that song to everybody, motherfucker, like, man, that shit hard. But I guarantee you, if I didn't do the song myself and I just presented the instrumental, your ass would be like, nah, bro, you got something else. <laughs> Every That's time. That's the way it happens, though. Yeah. That's the way it goes. Yeah. And then, but it's like the finished product because I know what I hear when I'm making that beat. I know what I hear when I'm writing the song. When I present the vision, like motherfuckers all of a sudden see what the fuck the big deal is about this beat. You know what I'm saying? I've had it happen. Motherfuckers want to get featured on there. Hey, man, you got an open verse? You should put me on there. I'm like, nah, bro, we good. <laughs> but if I'd, have, if, I, if I'd have submitted all them types of beats and put them in a folder, it, it, it confuses. You know what I'm saying? Because I know as a creative what I want to hear. You know what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So when I even when I present beats to you, a lot of times I'm not even surprised by what you do pick. You know what I'm saying? Because I a lot of times I I've made that beat thinking this one this type of beat O would probably want to kill right here. He'll probably. go. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. I just I just I just grab what sounds like something to me. You know, a lot of times, especially if if I'm like in story mode, if I'm if I'm in if I'm really in a story mode, and I really want to tell some shit that's been going on that I I saw for myself and things like that. Like that's that's the direction I. I go in like how I did Shattered Dreams. That's because I was just listening to that album that you get. Was it Crash the Castles? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah, you guys had did that. And I'll just listen to it. And I was like, man, this sounds like I could like tell some stories off off of some of these, you know, uh, and, and use experiences that I've actually had with like people and the things that you know people have experienced from having a youth program or just in life in general. Right. I was like, I'm gonna take some of these and just do that, you know. It's dope shit. Though. Makes sense. What, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Say what you're gonna I'm gonna say. Ask, because we're talking about these artists and the way we rank them, the way we view what they do. Have did you ever did you get a chance to look at that Rolling Stone uh top <laughs> rappers list or whatever the fuck that was, bro? Yeah, unfortunately. I never I've never sat down and, and looked at that shit ever, I don't think. I just today I was just sitting up here on my phone and I just decided to click on it. I was just looking through it and none of it, it, it didn't surprise me because I understand the demographic of people that's involved in it. You know what I'm saying? When I looked, because it listed it, the list of names of people who contributed to that list was there and it was primarily white people names. I think that it was like 60% white people, 40% yeah. people, yeah, people like of that. color or some shit like that. And also you, got, you kind of 
take into account like how many people was actually there there when it came when it comes down to hip hop. These they probably were born after 9 11. They might mm-hmm. have been, you know what I'm saying a couple years before 9 11. All of that shit kind of matters. Like it, you don't expect a motherfucker my age to be part of that that team of people coming up with this list. It would make sense to, but you wouldn't think it would because we're talking a publication that's trying to stay relevant, trying to stay current. You know what I'm saying? So of course they're gonna have what they consider to be the youth involved in and let them pick their favorite rappers. That's why you have a Cardi B ranking higher than Foxy Brown. But then you have to ask yourself, why the fuck is even Foxy Brown on this list? Right. You know what I'm saying? But then Stankonia, they they had Stankonia ranked higher than any other Outkast album before that. But Stankonia is not their best album. It's not. Nope. And see, in a, in a <clears throat> consensus can say that. But whoever is a part of that mind squad who came up with that list, they that was probably that album with Bombs Over Baghdad, Miss Jackson. Those are big singles in their youth. You know what I'm saying? When they were younger, when they was probably in middle school or some shit like that, those songs was like the songs that rung off. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's why that song would make that list. That album would make that list. But then you say, well, that album dropped, but Busta Rhymes had this album out and this song. This set of songs killed in that era. Yeah, I like that and all, but it just don't it don't sit well with me because of my nostalgia factors. You know what I'm saying? That's confusing then when you got people, a bunch of people just doing that just for the for to me, it seems like the look of one wanting to say this is a top 100, a top 50 uh greatest or whatever it is. That that that's just very superficial to me. Yeah. Um I would like to know the criteria, yep. you know, because that that was that's what was confusing. Because for Cardi B to be that high, it's very perplexing. I mean, I understand certain people would you know love the album for whatever reasons, but in history, you're talking about it, all of hip hop, all of hip hop, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For for that album to be at that height, I'm kind of like, man, I don't. I don't get it. And I don't even hate the album, but I'm just saying like that, it just doesn't add up. I don't even think she would put it up there. Everything that, cause we're talking, cause it, it I, I guess it was in no certain order, but then it had numbers next to them. Right. Mm. <laughs> you know it's like, so you got all of these people listed and their names just don't, there, some names, in my opinion, if it was my list, if it was my publication, I would take a lot more time to think through why I'm choosing these people, but also we're talking this Rolling Stone, and ro- people don't go to Rolling Stone for their in-depth takes on hip hop. Nope. You know what I'm saying? But for them to have such strong opinions on what you know, saying the best rap, 100 rap albums or rap artists are, it's kind of that's the part that's really confusing to me because they don't really they don't they don't put that much effort into covering such topics. You know what I'm saying? Like if you really look at like their overall spread of of, of artist coverage and, and genre coverage. Hip hop ain't the priority, but all of a sudden you got all the, and all of a sudden y'all this knowledgeable. <laughs> Where would you guys rank Cormega? Cause Cormega is one of my favorites. Oh, I don't rank him too high. No. Um, I, I, I've never sat with one of his albums and was like, you know what, let me run that back. Um, I, I listen to all his albums. Actually. Yeah, he's um, solid too. He's another one yeah, that's solid. I think the only, only issue that sometimes his uh his flow is stilted sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It seemed like, like he's talking to you like, yeah, this is like this. And so and so is like that. 
And in that point, it's a little boring. What he's saying is dope, but it's kind of like the way it's put together. Yeah, the way it's put together was a little boring. But I've never. He doesn't have any bad album. Like like he. His music has always been tough for me to listen to for that very reason. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I, I, it's one of the things. It's about engagement for me. Like I said, I listen to so many different, varying styles of rap coming up. You know what I'm saying? For somebody to be held in such high regard, I expect a little bit more. Uh, I expect his his music be to be put together better. You know what I'm saying? His lyric, his lyrical uh, abilities, uh, his song, his song making skills, shit like that. Kind of like um, trying to think. Uh, who else? It's almost like CNN when CNN came out. You know what I'm saying? I rock with him, but I wasn't like I wasn't a big CNN fan in that way because I wasn't either. It just it to me it just sounded like uh, it's gonna sound crazy. It sounded like uh, great value mob deep. You're not off. <laughs> You're not that far off actually. It's, uh... Sound like the sound like mob deep from Aldi's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I was never, and that's not no knock against Nori and but it's just I, I never understood the. He was like, man, that album, the War Report, is classic. I was like, word? May I miss something? I mean, it's, it's a good album, but I was like, I was, I wasn't too heavy on them. Like, I, dude, let let me say this too because there was too much hip hop out. You know, it was a lot. Be, yeah, it was a lot of hip hop out. Like you said earlier, I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Chicago, so at that time, like you said, six days, MJG and Eight Ball. There's there's Ghetto Boys, there's Outkast, there's Ice Cube, there's Razzcast, No Limit starts to make their way into the involvement of all that shit. There's Jay-Z, there's Biggie, there's AZ, and then there's Nas. Yeah. I I wasn't really listening to, to Capone and Noriega, CNN like that. Like I, I really just wasn't. And it's not a oh, knock on them or any of their music, but I it was just it just was nothing that ever hit my ears. That's how I looked at Mega though, because if you think about it, like in the hierarchy, if you go, if you got that much music that you can take the time and listen to, and you can pick and choose who you want, because you only got so many hours in the day, you got so many days in the week. <clears throat> I could, I my life didn't capacitate the opportunity for me to say today is a Cormega day. You know what I'm saying? I'm still, I was mm -hmm. still, I was still listening to Master Ace. I was still listening. You know what I'm saying? It was so many different artists. I was listening. I, I, I was burning hours listening to artists I didn't really like, like the Shades of Lingo and shit like that. Man, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, I was because I'm because it was uh, we lived in the age of discovery. It was so much music to discover. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not to say mm -hmm. that it doesn't exist now, but they have a shorter attention span. For us, we had the longest attention span. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like when Cormega came out, I was like, he dope. I rock with him, but I'm just not, I don't like his flow. You know what I'm saying? And his flow, it was, it was, it was off sense. What'd you call it, uh, Smitty? It was stilted. It was kind of stiff. Yeah. In, in yeah. certain aspects. And, yeah. um, but I think that's one of the reasons why I liked it. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't the normal shit, you know? And that, and that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, exactly. It wasn't that bad on the first album. That flow was kind of, perplexing about that the first yeah. one was the 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 the, the realness yeah right. that was a if good you, album too after you start going <clears throat> more recently it, it's like a lot stiffer 
for some unknown reason. I mean, mm. the same thing happened with the. You listen to like Lars Professor. You listen to him on Main Source and all the stuff he rapped on. You listen to him now. And like he regressed, or, you know what I'm saying? Like, like he got a dope beat behind him. He's like ABC. Like he want to go back to you know, Grandmaster casting them. I'm like, man, what happened? Like. <laughs> you know like that don't make sense I, I don't i don't see how you go that far backwards when you're at a certain level i would say this though bro because i was having this feeling i struggled with this for a little bit listening to master ace because master ace can still wrap his ass off but it's something about the way his flow sounds real rigid now yeah you know what i'm saying it's like it's like stepping outside of that rigidity and, and finding a different pocket to drop them words in it's a struggle you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you got the bars, but it's so it's so predictable. Like you know exactly what pocket this. You know you can down there tell tell what the next rhyme phrase is going to be because the yeah. way because he's not going to step outside of those syllables. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, he, he's far from the uh, slaughterhouse, Master Ace. Man, um, back then he was experimenting. Yeah, he was doing all kind of off beat on beat and all the other stuff he was going on. But yeah, I, I would just like to. I like to find out what was going on there. I don't I don't get how that, you know, how you go from being a little not experimental but lucid with it and all of a sudden it's just like one, two, three, four, nope, can't this word gotta hit on every snare and kick, you know, like I, I don't I don't I don't get how that works, but I'm tell everybody in the world I'm from the big apple. Yep. <laughs> Stop at the bodega, get a snapple. Like what the fuck? Right. You're like, <laughs> damn man, I could have did that, like <laughs> Like man, I don't want you to do what I can do. I'm listening to you. So I can hear stuff. Right. Yeah, I'm listening to you because I'm expecting something more original, man. Like, where's the creativity? Yeah. In? Blow me away. You know what I'm saying? You know, like man. What's the criteria for you guys when it comes to being a a dope rapper or a dope lyricist? Uh, I mean, that's it. You know, flow, cadence, bars. You know, adequate bars i'm not even asked for the craziest bars i didn't need to be like just at a certain base level standard because the flow and the cadence will will carry it especially with the right beats as long as you got those together your bar just aren't straight garbage i have no complaints you know i listen to a lot of people that might be considered you know mid-tier or below but and 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 make me feel like you're doing something that hasn't been done before even if it has been done before you know what I'm saying? You're in the business of entertainment. You know what I'm saying? Entertain me. You know what I'm saying? Don't just get up there like I'm a I make this look so easy that <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because that's really the attitude they got now. I make this look easy. And all they do is just, just recite words. They just call out words. And that's that's annoying to me. You know what I'm saying? I had somebody talking to me about immortal technique, and it was talking about how um like he got a lot of substances versus that he writes, but it it's not it doesn't grab you. So it's almost like everything somebody's saying is just falling on deaf ears. They they just they just wrapping into a box and packaging that box up and just shipping it out to to an unknown address every time they drop an album because they don't have they're not speaking directly to the audience that probably could be grabbing it. They just keep wrapping into the wrapping to the same core group of people because those are the only motherfuckers they got time for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, because you could, it, it honestly, it really just come down to stepping outside your comfort zone. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you're going to go into the lyrical miracle box of, of rapping, 
if you're going to really go there, you got to figure out ways to spread, get your, your gift heard. You gifted in, in, in this area. It's like making beats. If you, if I'm a, if I'm a classically trained pianist and drummer and I'm making beats and my shit go crazy. So my friends shouldn't, I try to be heard on a larger scale so I can get the result I'm looking for other than just playing it for me and my friends. You see what I'm saying? It's the same thing with rapping and you got a little deal. If you, if you got 50,000 people who, who been fucking with you for the last 10 years and you, and you cool with that 50,000, you're going to be doing bars. You're going to be doing shows at bars in about five years. You know what I'm saying? Because people going <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's real. People going to grow old with you and you're never going to really expand your fan base. You want you want longevity. You want to be able to say I'm part of this this legacy uh, of dope music as opposed to man, I had my chance but the industry sucked. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. That's what a lot of them be doing, man. They kind of get they get they get nested I'll say this, young Jock supposed to be coming to town and he's doing a show at a bar. And I think it's the funniest shit because <laughs> I was like, I was like, what song did he get other than just going down? I had to go and search like, okay, okay, yeah. I, okay I heard this one before. So I'm I mean, a man. This two songs I heard. Then they're like, okay, I, didn't, I never heard number three, never heard number four. Cause I just let five songs play back to back. I'm like, okay. So I only know two out of this five songs. This show finna suck. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and and rightfully so. Yeah, whoever booked him, <laughs> they're like, hey, they're gonna get a few people and they want to hear their favorite song that one of the five, and that's about it. Charge about twenty five dollars a head. <laughs> a couple hundred people show up, and, yeah. people gonna, and, and the little group that's gonna show up gonna be like, hey, I saw a young jock. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let he me ask you guys friends. this. Let me ask you guys this question. If Nas asked you guys for a beat, would you have something on deck for him already? Or would you have to cook something up? I prefer to cook something up. I mean, I'm sure I have some he might like, but just with anybody, I prefer to make something. Fresh? Yeah, instead of just giving you a gang of just stuff I just had on the side. That's how I am. Because I already have, if he were to come to me and say he want a beat, I already have in my mind what type of beat I would prefer to hear, hear him rapping on. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I would actually go to work on something custom, customized right there, you know what I'm saying, and make it for him. Where do you think that comes from where the, the dope, the dopest, like the lyricists, they have, they, have, they make bad choices on beats, like their ears just can't hear. Where do you think that comes from? Is it you, do you think that's just because the focus is so much on being a lyricist that they just say, I'll, I'll just rap to anything? To a degree, yeah. I mean, you know, they're trying to listen to something that, something that doesn't get in the way, something as minimal as possible. So I can make sure I can fit all these crazy schemes and everything else in there. And then a lot of times it just be like, I mean, you got it in there, but the beat is boring or, you know, or the beat is, or or in a lot of cases, they have an, they they imagine themselves to be more well rounded than what they are. So they select beats that don't necessarily fit the personality type. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because it really that's why A and R's matter. People don't think that they do, but A and R's matter, especially a a well a well networked A and R, somebody who who's in tune with producers and understands. You know what I'm saying? The ins and outs of picking beats for artists. A lot of artists don't want to have A and R's because they feel like that's that's the 
the label overreaching. But shit, some of these dudes need to be need to have them the musical babysitters on staff. Yeah, because you know, for for some of them, like you're saying, it's about establishing the artists, you know, and, and and building them up one step at a time to make sure that they know what their sound is or who they are in the music. Because it used to be a time where the record label used to ask you who you were or who are you or what are you doing, and a lot of these guys couldn't even answer those questions, you know. So the A and R is there to make sure that they find out what it is you like to do and what it is you're trying to work on. It used to be uh, art artists came packaged with their own producer or DJ. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? And that shit, the bad boy era changed that. <laughs> yeah. Bad boy era changed that. Yeah. Illmatic to a degree too, though. Yeah, because that was a, that was like that the, was the first good. first cook up. Right. <laughs> All the guys got together and made beats for this one dude. I mean, yeah, but you weren't gonna find that every time like that. Shit like that is just genuine. That showed that it could be done. That's what that was. It showed right. that it could be done. It probably even showed that the budget constraints could be stretched out a little bit more for the label. You know what I'm saying? The like the publishing and all that. Man, think about it like this. Believe what you want, but Nas ain't eat off of Illmatic the way he wanted to, and that's why he keep re-releasing that shit. The reason why is because so many other people was invested in that. Think about all them publishing checks that got split up before he even saw his cut. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he... You know what I'm saying? And nowadays, like, like the No Limit team, the Suave House team, they had in-house producers. You, you gonna get this label sound. You know what I'm saying? Death Row to an extent had that. You know what I'm saying? Where you're yeah. gonna you're gonna get our in-house sound. Yeah, yeah we 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 a package deal. We just need you for the partnership of putting this music out. That's what you're here for. We need your lyricism, we need your your vocal gift. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I prefer that in general, but you know, these days that's definitely uh the way the dodo bird at this rate. You Man. get you can get a song and one track is produced by 17 people. You'd be like, man. Yeah, how do you how now. do you how do you eat off that? You can't. <laughs> it all depends on who the executive producer is. <laughs> Cause like somebody like somebody like Kanye, who kind of like right now, he's the king of of, of cookups. Mm-hmm. And he invite multiple people into a session. If you bring bottled water, you get a credit. You know what I'm saying? Your your contribution don't necessarily have to be the largest contribution. I might come, I might say, hey, switch that uh that E flat to a, a D sharp. And that D sharp change might get me a publishing check because I contributed in that in that measure. Or well, I might mentions you because those those changes what it is is some some people because it's an honor system first and foremost. You know what I'm saying? Before any contracts get signed, it's an honor system. So yay just so happened to be one of them guys where he look at everybody's contribution as value. You know what I'm saying? Whereas other producers or other managers or whatever might not view everybody's contribution as valued. So I might come in there and hear you spitting and I'd be like, you should probably switch that cadence up like this. I might not get shit for that, especially if you use it. It'd just be an idea that I got spewed out there before another motherfucker. They're like, you know what? We're going to give him a check because he, he just made that song better just by making that suggestion. You know what I'm saying? Or somebody might say, hey, Tony, uh, that beat hard as hell. But if if on a on a 30 second beat, you add a little swing to it to kind of to vary that snare 
and that actually makes that song doper. It's on you to whether or not credit that person for even making that suggestion. Right. Sam. He's got to hold the damn act of goddamn fool over it too and say, I'm the one that made that change. That that part really don't matter because it's, it's like I said, it's an honor system. It's they word against yours. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It could be 30 other motherfuckers in there. If I'm the star and and this Joe Schmo makes the suggestion and I use that suggestion, who gonna vote against me? I'm the one everybody eating from. Yeah, ain't nobody gonna, ain't, don't nobody know what you're talking turn about. They back on me, like, oh, you. <laughs> Man, I don't know what he's talking about. Right, like, no. And he tripping, we was all in there uh, contributing. He said, he said he should use this word instead of that word. He switched it, but now he don't want to give him credit. Like, nigga, you ain't create words. Has right. that brother ever bounced back? Was was Quentin Miller or something? Did he ever bounce back or did he just fall off the scene? I don't know what happened. I don't, do a lot. I don't think he actually even had the momentum necessary to even do anything to say that he had something to bounce back from. He just got exposed at, at the wrong time. Yeah. He had something good going and that shit got hey. he got exposed. Right. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of dope, um, you know, ghost writers that just can't do their own, you know, on their own. They just they just don't have it, you know, to make their own songs. I mean, like, or to deliver their songs in a way that is pleasing to the masses, you know. Drake has mastered that. Yeah. Yeah. So who made the fuss about him? Was that him coming out on his own, or was that someone else pushing him? Meek Mill did that. Oh, yeah. was oh that was that whole uh, yeah. battle shit with uh, Drake. He did the song uh, Rico. He did a song called Rico with Drake. In that session, uh, I guess Drake was in a session with Quentin. Quentin helped write his verse for Rico. Okay. And, uh, apparently, when when uh, Meek Mill was about to release the album with that song was on, uh, Drake didn't help promote the album. And he kind of felt some kind of way about it. And he decided to tell everybody that Drake got a ghostwriter. <laughs> wow, yeah. and and then aired out the name of the writer, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, I know something tragic happened with dude. Though. I don't know if he was in a bad accident or what, Clint Miller, but he's been through some some yeah. stuff. So yeah, he ain't um, it ain't been all you know roses since that, right? That's crazy how that kind of worked out because I was expecting him to have some some type of success behind. Uh, that information being brought out and in, in the, the was it the reference track and everything being spoken yeah. on? I was expecting him to have some type of push, not nothing major or nothing crazy, but just something. And it, nothing, nothing came after that. Nothing happened after that. I didn't expect anything to come from it because I know how this shit work, man. It's like it's a it's a club, man. It's like if you if you're a resource, you're a resource. And Quentin Miller was a resource, and to kind of like. For him to actually establish himself behind all of that, it was it was solely his responsibility. Nobody really owed nothing to him because he was mm. being for the service he was providing. That's that's why you got guys like Neo in the Dream being able to have their own R and B career behind that because they they kept it real. They kept they did their shit behind the scenes. If they were writing for Mary J. Blige or these people, they did their shit until they got their shot. And it was up to the the people to actually openly accept them as artists. You know what I'm saying? Like the Dream did all the songs that he did for Rihanna and Beyonce and Mary J. Blige and all these other people who had hit singles. Then all of a sudden he comes out with his shit. Don't nobody know who the fuck he is. 
know what I'm saying? He didn't come out waving the flag like, hey, I'm the pe person who wrote these songs. He let people discover that on their own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like Quinn Miller, just he was just collateral damage and the bigger bullshit beef between two rappers who at the time was still trying to like claw their way to a position. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That actually helped Drake more than anything. It helped mm -hmm. him more than it hurt him. Yeah, it did, man. Because after that, that's when he, he he showed that he was with all the smoke, and I was expecting more from Meek Mill, but the response was 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 futile. I think yeah. that uh, Meek approached it like a street rapper, and Drake yep. approached it like an industry rapper. <laughs> Bless you. Yeah, so Drake had the tools in place to make a, a club single. People like listening to Drake songs in clubs, and and clubs is places where you. If you're really in this era, you can't avoid us. You can't avoid certain artists. It's certain artists, again, this go back to the AZ conversation. Like you think about what environments songs get spun in the most that people actually hear the music that they want to hear. There ain't too many clubs I've been in where AZ was ringing off. No, nah, I don't think there's. There ain't too many clubs I've been to. Like, that's why I'm saying like Meek Mill didn't have the the gravity that Drake had because Drake had already had his singles. He had his singles. He had the started from the bottom and all these other songs that kind of popped off for him. And so he already he owned the clubs. What's another what's 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 making another song? And this one just be a little bit more personally directed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I just want to be successful. And then behind yeah. that, he probably had a ghostwriter on that one. Yeah, yep. <laughs> for sure. I mean, he's more like an um R&B artist in that aspect. Yeah, and that's the whole thing to it. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I don't, and I wouldn't, I, we've had this conversation before. Ain't none of this shit new, ain't nothing new. The only thing, only difference is, is like, I look at it like a writer that, uh, a rapper that got a writer is like, is like finding out there's a gay rapper. Ain't none of that shit fucking, ain't none of that shit a mystery no more. No, it ain't. You know what I'm saying? Like back in the day, it was like, you, you, you hear the, the, speculation about somebody having a ghostwriter or you had, you know what I'm saying? I always, I stand on it. I feel like LL Cool J had bunches of writers. You don't be, ain't nobody in the game that inconsistent when it comes to fucking making songs. <laughs> I mean, there's something to that, yeah. There gotta be something to that. Just like this whole, the whole notion about the gay rapper. It's like now, it's like niggas is just coming on out. You know what I'm saying? You got Isaiah Rashad. You know what I'm saying? You got dudes who got this androgynous thing going on about them and all of that. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. Beings are human beings. But when you really step outside of like the whole situation with Quentin Miller, he like I said, he was a collateral, he was collateral damage and a bigger issue. He just got caught in the middle of some shit. And he didn't capitalize any on it because how do you really capitalize on it without looking like you're trying to ride the wave of one of these two dudes? Yeah. All right. When we left off, we were talking about uh, what Quentin Miller and lack of success from what he did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but he uh, he didn't really have anything building before then. A lot of people they might have had, you know, like a bunch of SoundCloud albums and stuff. But he didn't. So he didn't have none of that. No, he just had a couple of joints here and there, but he didn't have nothing like really popping like that. So. He would have to start, you know, you had to be ramping up and. Okay. Cause that's what I was expecting. I'm thinking like, all right, if there's going to be some, if this is going to happen, maybe there's some exposure for him, right? Maybe he's got some mixtapes or some songs laying around. He got some singles that he can 
upload to SoundCloud or Bandcamp and get his shit out there and get popping. Nothing happened. I was like, what the, f- what the fuck going on? I would venture to say that whatever he did have, he might have had like a contractual obligation to like submit some of his work to whoever he was writing for. And Drake might have been his biggest, you know what I'm saying, his biggest deal at the time. He stopped all that. I'm sure he was. Yeah, because honestly, if you, if he was the, because he was a treasure trove for Drake, you know what I'm saying? So like a lot of his big singles came out of dude. And it might have been one of those situations where it was like they wanted exclusivity. You know what I'm saying? They want exclusive access to his work. And for him to have all that music available and sitting sitting on somebody's uh, streaming service might have been more harmful than anything because that would give somebody else an opportunity to outlet him and tap into his his resources. Are there any current artists you guys would like to work work with? Nope. Um, I'm not surprised at that answer. I mean, like, I don't know in, in the new right. batch. In the current like new batch rappers or just in yeah general? yeah no nah. um i'm sure there's probably somebody i never heard of that's really you know dope but from what i've heard no nah, nothing that was you know yeah, it's a couple that i i find to be kind of impressive in terms of their abilities but i know that like working with them might not be of anything of interest to me because i know how i am you know what I'm saying? I'd rather just I'd rather enjoy what they do at a distance than feel like I want to work with somebody just because they're talented. Mm-hmm. You know well, let me go back. <clears throat> I probably throw a beat to like uh was it Coast Contra or whatever the Rascass is uh two sons, his sons, his twin sons, and um the other dudes. They're doing freestyles and stuff like that. Was it Coast Contra? What was the name? Uh, what them kids name? I do not know, sir. I have no idea. Oh, uh, I think I think it's Coast Contra. Let me make sure I'm not uh get them facts in order. Pampian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coast Contra. Yeah. So, it's, so uh, it's a group. Yeah, it's a group. It's about uh four, four, four dudes, and they've been doing a gang of uh crazy freestyles and stuff um everybody and their mama follow them like you know is it the guy that did the, is it the one that did one and he was real animated and tell it like a story or something like that no yeah they had some pop up uh recently you know so yeah they they sound like they were they would be from the 90s basically okay they, they were kind of rapping that in that way album's interesting but i mean besides that were you guys heavy or, or did you guys listen to uh Killer Priest when he was out? Yeah, yeah I, I did anyway. Rock with him. I used to rock with him. My first album, I, I really played played the first album a lot. After that, you know, I checked stuff out, but it was the first one that, you know, got the that heavy mental. Yeah. Was that was it called Heavy Mental or was it just yeah. a song? Yeah, that's that's what it was called. Name of the album. Yeah. I was real big into Killer Army too. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yep, Killer Army. Really like their second album too. But um, then what else was there? Was Sons of Man. Yeah, oh, that's when things start getting real, yeah, real, real shady. Real, if yeah, real, like, real shaky. Yeah. A little shaky. Um, they have some joints though. Um, you know, Killer Army did they did one one album right? They got uh, two, at least two. 
first one was uh the first one was dope. I think I had the first album. The rifle. There's a lot of rifles. This one is yep. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, that uh, full metal jacket joint in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um like, yeah, that one's dope. I like this one, but this one is mine. <laughs> yeah, because I forgot who did most production on that. But yeah, no, that that first one was real solid. The second one, um, that's when you're getting into the Blue Killer Bees and they had like Holocaust and mm. um, Mother, you know, side, you know, 19th generation Wu affiliate dudes on there and stuff. But Kappa <laughs> did Kappa Dunn do more than one album? Yeah. He, he did. Put one, he put out one in recent years. Yeah. Really? Terrible cover. It was hilarious. But yeah. He, one of them covers, like, it was like one of my brother throwaway covers. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was. Like him was he like half uh not half bear, he was half like that was something weird. It was like he saw Sheik Loot shit and it was like I want that. Right, you know what I'm saying? But you know, just it it was crispy quality technically, but it was just Yeah, just what it 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 was it it was uh it seemed like a parody. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> the, cover or the, the cover or the the cover. The, Okay. The cover art, the cover art was like some shit that that like a spoof. Yeah, you like Lonely Island or something. You expect the Lonely Island, you know, <laughs> album to have that kind of cover, but oh, that's crazy. Man, he was defending that to the death. So I'm like, damn, man, like, must be because that first music. album, the first album was decent. Milk this cow, the best way we know how. Park yeah, Hill, Park Checks, to Kapow. It was a decent. It was decent. It wasn't. It wasn't like you go, yo, like this is a classic or nothing like that. Was that the pillage? Yeah, the pillage. Yeah, I think that was it. I think that was it. I wasn't. The pillage was his first one or his second one, but I do know I was always bugging over that title because when I listened to the album, I just I couldn't I couldn't piece together why the album was titled. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't. I just thought that was a dope word and went with it (laughs) because that's what niggas was doing though. Yeah, the word that seemed dope. <laughs> right. it, yeah, and it had nothing yeah. to do with the actual. Do with anything. Yeah, they're like my album was called Onomatopoeia. Right, right. <laughs> You're like, and there'll be no, no, boom, boom, bang, bang, ping, ping, <laughs> none of that shit. You know, no Batman on the cover getting punched in the face. None of that shit. You know what I mean, nope. My album is called Personification. Hey, and he's like, so what do you embody? What? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, they don't know what you're talking about. So uh, T Pain says that uh, he made more money streaming video games than he's ever made in music. Get the fuck out of here! I can see that. Seriously, his yeah, podcast can, is yeah. strong. He's got a nice, strong podcast, and mm-hmm. and and I'm pretty sure his t- his Twitch streams do numbers. Yeah, and he's very charismatic and funny. Yeah, he is charismatic dude, though. And so I'm thinking, though, like, all the songs he done wrote for people, you know what I'm saying? All the hit singles he had, because that Three Ring album was, like, it's yeah, album. But it's hits. Yeah. Yeah. So for him to say that, I and I'm not, I wouldn't even be surprised by it, because, again, it come down to, like, all the splits. You know what I'm saying? When you're doing this, when you got sampling all sampling and the the, the 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 layers of people getting on the songs, performing with you and everything. Instruments, you know what I'm saying? Your engineers, all of that. You got to split that money all the way down through there. But with when it comes to Twitch streaming, it's him, his editor, right, and his sound engineer. 
And whoever his co-host is. <laughs> yeah, ain't just in the crib. I mean, got all people subscribing. Super chats. Yeah, people just throwing money at you. I mean, so yeah, out. I mean, all right. That's why, yeah. I, that's why I was like, man, we could go live, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, I mean. Yeah, we got to figure that one out. It's not a bad idea. I yeah, to, I mean. Uh, I don't use that thing enough. And yeah, I'm, I'm, we're going to have to work it out. We're going to have to work it out. I'm going to move some shit around. Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's the wave, though. I mean, if you get an audience, and yeah, you can make some nice bread off of uh, whatever you stream off of. And it's consistent, man. Consistent. And, and and the output, making sure that the conversations are engaging and shit like that, because people people love like your audience love to feel interacted with. You know what I'm saying? They might not even be contributing anything valuable to the conversation, but because they feel heard, they'll put people on to you because like yeah, this motherfucker real. This person right here actually reached out to me. I, I commented and they actually said something back to me. I'm gonna come back to that channel. I'm gonna see mm-hmm. if I can. engagement. Yeah, engagement. Yeah. I, I sit up and watch that shit happen, bro. I'd be like, there's certain channels, certain creators I'd be watching and stuff like that. And I just go through their comments and I'd be watching how like, they, they a lot of the, the big ones always engage. They they detractors, they, they the, the people that agree with them, the people that disagree with them, they, they go through and they have these conversations. You know what I'm saying? They kind of like create a community and that, and just watching they, they brand grow because of that. You know what I'm saying? People show up to their live streams and you start dropping super chats. Right. I mean, I've seen a bunch of people, you know, make it happen. Uh, like the brothers, uh, dead end hip hop. You know, man, what's that about? They do album reviews and stuff like that. Artists uh, reviews. I remember when uh, that whole Lupe and Royce thing was going on on Instagram. They covered that shit. They covered it. That shit was dope. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they really start like they did like a, a breakdown of like the songs that came out of that stuff like that, especially with the way they dug into like because I guess they was following the whole event as the curse yeah. album did, and they were talking about how like Mickey Fax probably had the best response, but Lupe probably had the strongest. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it was like saying how they was really predicting like their conversation was more like the conversations we have. And they was really just talking about how, like what type of impact that would have on that side of the community and hip hop. Cause it was something that was different and was kind of actually necessary. You know what I'm saying? Cause everybody fucking buddy, buddy and friends these days. You know what I'm saying? There ain't no real, ain't no real tension in the air when it comes to competitiveness. Did you guys hear that, that uh, album that Crooked Eye and, and, and Joel Ortiz did? Yeah, I listened to it. I sat and listened to it when I was at work one night. The uh, death of Slaughterhouse. Yeah. Okay, what did y'all think of that? It was a waste. It was a waste of time. Mm. Yeah, the the one they did before was a year. I think it was called Hard. Mm-hmm. That was way better than that's the one with Ronald Reagan on the cover, right? Yeah, yep. That was way better than the the Slaughterhouse thing. It was like, and that's the one that Joe and uh, Royce was saying. They should have put the same type of effort behind because that was a better product. And it was like, because this ain't the first time they've worked together, but why would you have to diminish the brand just to kind of boost your name out? Like, so you sacrifice what four men made so two men can eat. You see what I'm saying? Because it's kind of yeah. hard to repair that. And 
they have such a built-in fan base like why would you why would you do that to to a product that you guys could still sell and go back and refurbish later on like you could that could the first slot I had the first slaughterhouse album when it came out I was like this got to be I know this is going to be some of the dopest shit ever and it was I was like yo this is how can you fuck this up there's no way the mixtape was crazy. Crazy. The songs they did with the locks and you know what I'm saying? Like, and then you think about I'm, I'm this is my personal opinion, and this is just a take that I have strictly because I'm familiar with all four of these dudes and they they run in their music. All right, and I totally 100 percent get each perspective on it, but I, I'm I'm gonna start with uh Joel. Joel had his opportunity with Aftermath, but it didn't work out because of what Dre wanted from Joel. So Dre had to release him from that situation. What you mean? What he what he wanted? What he wanted? Dre was trying to find the next big thing. Like he was working Uh, because Rakim was over there at the time too. mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Fifty had already run his. his, He Fifty came out. He killed them. You know what I'm saying? Two albums strong. Killed them. Rakim was just about to leave. Uh, Then Joel walks through the door and Joel put out his mixtapes with Dre. His aftermath shit. This is before the whole Yawa movement. So you sit that aside and you have a you have an artist who almost tasted success, who, who's a lyrical miracle rapper. He almost tasted success, but he didn't necessarily tap into it. Then I'll go next up would be Crook. Crook and I had his run with Death Row. You know what I'm saying? The, 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 the last iteration of Death Row before that shit went bad. And for him to actually be able to salvage some of his career and be able to work with uh, Aftermath and that capacity probably was a big deal for him too, because this is his second time, his second win. But all of this comes through Royce, because Royce's relationship with Dre and M helped facilitate that. Royce never really tasted the true success that he probably felt like he could have in his career, but for him to have a strong, salvageable relationship with M helped get them that next bite of the apple. But the only one out of all of them who tasted any success at, at, at all in any measure was Joe. Joe, out of all of them, had the biggest single. Actually, the two biggest singles. You know what I'm saying? And he had the Joe has more reach and connections, but Joe just doesn't trust the industry. Because and he, he was the first on that uh that whole wave of, of, of uh, vlogging. He was no, not the first, but he was big on the vlogging and, and video yeah, yeah. recording his life and shit like that. That shit was going crazy. Yep. So the reason why Joe and Royce sided against the way they did they uh the, the slaughterhouse brand is strictly connected to their understanding of the business. You see what I'm saying? The desperation wasn't necessary, it wasn't needed. You know what I'm saying? And Joe and Royce looked at it like, dude. You don't need Joe to be a rapper to push the brand. The only reason why it was so much pressure on Joe to get back out there and rap is because everybody know that Joe is the star of the group. Joe is the only one who shamelessly put himself out there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you really look at it, like him being on Love and Hip Hop helped Slaughterhouse. You know what I'm saying? Because he, 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 he put himself in a line of embarrassment. He marketed himself. He always mm-hmm. shamelessly promoted himself. Him doing the podcast and pushing that brand was good for the Slaughterhouse brand because that's a platform that's external to rap that they could always come to if they ever want to talk about shit. You know what I'm saying? All of these different things. Uh, With Joe's 
distrust for the industry. That's the only thing that only thing his distrust did was cause a rift between them and M. And that's what made M decide to not fuck with Joe. He ain't not want to fuck with them. He just didn't want to fuck with Joe because Joe was too honest. He was too real about how he felt about the game. Well, whatever it was, it, it looked like he was telling the truth. I think M was my opinion. I think M was either too involved or they just put too many songs on that last project, man. It it didn't even sound like Slaughterhouse at that point. Eminem album. Yeah, yeah. It, it <laughs> was bad. M, M, they said M submitted songs to that project, but when they worked on Glasshouse, M was hands off. I don't think I heard Glasshouse. Nobody's heard Glasshouse. Right. Okay. That's, okay. that's the album that never came out. That's the one that Judge Blaze was like. He walks around with on his phone and listens yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. And by that time, Joe had already started doing his 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 uh show with Complex. Mm -hmm. And when that album came out, he had he really made a name for himself. When he got into that beef, it wasn't really a beef. That little kerfuffle with Amigos. So he, he Joe's blowing up now, doing something that's totally external to rap. Shit does, it, and that shit comes easy for Joe too, man. And Joe's, yeah. you know what? I don't want to be the forty-some-year-old nigga still struggling to to make a name for myself as a rapper when I got this going on over here. So guess what? I retired. Retire. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And when you when you really step outside of the logistical aspect of what it takes to maintain a group like Slaughterhouse, the smartest thing he could have done was walked away when he did, bro, because it, it was going to be more of this bullshit. It was going to be yeah. more of it. That's why Royce found success doing his solo albums. And being focused. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you don't have the same tool set, because all of them lyrical miracle rappers, but when you don't have the same tool set as a Joe or a Royce in that entertainment pocket, you get a, you get that Death of Slaughterhouse type album. Now, I'm not, this is never me talking bad about Crook and, and Joel because I'm some dope rappers. But are they as are they entertaining entities? Are they no. when you see them as rappers? Do you are you entertained by them as rappers? They like are not Royce, the, they Royce, are not the best marketable guys out that out that group. Royce's bar exam mixtapes are entertaining as shit. They're they're they're, mm -hmm. they're not just rap albums. They're funny. Right. It's all, it, it's imagination added to it. Royce puts his personality into his music. You know what I'm saying? When you hear Crook, you hear him rapping his ass off, but it always sounds like I'm the toughest nigga on the street rapping. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing entertaining there. It's nothing. And, and Joel, he he's he's been really finding his human focus. You know what I'm saying? Being a regular dude and rap, but it's almost like too little, too late. Like, cause you you had all the opportunity to be the guy that everybody want to check for but you focused on this over here and nobody's checking for you now because there's so many more artists to pick from. Yeah, listening to listening to Slaughterhouse or, or just watching how that shit just went down. You 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 looking at it, you going, Royce and Joe damn sure know how to they, like you said earlier, they had their piece of the industry already. So they know about marketability and how to sell. Right. And all you just needed was the other two guys to just realize, like, hey, y'all can rap y'all ass off, but in order for us to sell this shit, we have to package it the correct way. It has to be packaged the correct way. It's not always about just signing a record deal and putting out music. It's all, it's all about the packaging. And how are we going to get this out there and make it marketable with all especially, four of us on it? Especially if the idea is to go to a major label and try to put their project out. We, they could have done it the old way. And Joe said this shit. It, like, it's crazy Like when you think back in retrospect. Joe said, we don't need a record, like, record deal to do what we do. 
Right. They but they didn't. And no, not but, at all. But the idea was, and I, I'm pretty sure I, I wish I was a fly on the wall in those in those sessions and those argument arguments when they were talking about what they wanted to do next. I guarantee you that it was a crook and Joel desire to be more famous because they got to taste a little bit of it on tour, you know what I'm saying? Going overseas and shit like that and watching how Slaughterhouse became like a, became a viral moment in hip hop. But the tour and all that shit is to get your name out there, to get more people to recognize who you all are. Not about being famous. That's just all about continue to market and, and get you- Fame is a byproduct some, of that. They yeah. want to they wanted put to, some money in your pocket. They wanted to fast track the process. No, but man. we talking dudes in their 30s, you know what I'm saying? Really tasting a different level of success than they knew they've known. Again, Joe was the biggest star out of all of them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Royce yeah. was popular because of his friendship with him. But like Crooked Eye and Joel Ortiz were just the guys that people talked about. If you knew rap, knew rap and you knew bars, wasn't nobody nigga, to nobody wasn't checking for him to this day. You know what I'm saying? And that's not it's not a slight against them. It's just the way that it's the nature of the game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like you got you got is a, a major component of Wu Tang, but ain't nobody talk about you got like that. You know what I mean? No, nah, him or Master Killer. But you know what I'm saying? You can't take away their the contribution. So it's like, how do you like? I don't know, man. It's like when I there should have been a different album, way to do that, man. Yeah, I think that they should have that album should have never came out. No, and they did a deal with somebody that that Royce and Joe have been avoiding fucking with for the longest. Mm, right. I mean, I would just left it alone. They should have just stopped talking about it and kept doing they do they do old albums, you know, sequel to Hard or whatever else. They, they would have been better off. Cause I mean. Do you think that should have been the campaign then to each one of them do their own separate like project or a mixtape and then come together, do a mixtape together and then go after another project together? That, that would have made more sense. Yeah, because it's kind of like how they came together, right? You just kind of repeating a formula that all that's already in place and already works. Roy <laughs> said something that kind of stood out to me in an interview following the whole little falling out of the uh, group. He said that they just recently got their masters back from Shady's, Shady Records, so they own everything. Mm. But now, but they put out that album prematurely before they got to even let the ink dry on that deal. And they could have, like, they own the masters. All they had to do is get the budget up and they could have dropped Glasshouse. That was a bit of another marketing tool. Hey, we got our masters now. So, now here we come with the. Because the way he described it was, it was all, it, it was all paperwork. You know what I'm saying? You got producers that need to be paid for the work that they did on Glasshouse. Right. You know what I'm saying? Engineers that need to be paid because all of that stuff was still sitting in limbo. Well, you can kind of hear that. Because of the way Royce decided not to say much about it, like it was something to it. When I would listen to him, it was like, man, he it's something he ain't saying. Because he want to keep the peace. You know what I'm saying? Those friends, those friendships, those relationships matter. Yes, you know? they do. And, and I get it, everybody and their feelings about certain shit. Um, and to kind of to to view it from an outsider's perspective, I'm looking at it from the angle of I I can see everybody's concern on this. I get, I 100% get why Joe feels the way he feels. He found his lane. He know, yeah. he know what, he know how, he know how he's going to ride off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? You can't fault the man for that. Uh, should, could he have managed the whole walking away from Slaughterhouse a little bit better? Yeah. But 
that what he did didn't really do any harm. You see what I'm saying? Was it an inconvenience? Fuck yeah, it was a major inconvenience. But did it harm anything? No, nah, because guess what? Slaughterhouse as a brand helped boost everybody's profile. Yep. You know what I'm saying? People who wasn't checking for Crooked Eye became a Crooked Eye fan. People who weren't checking for, for Joel Ortiz became a Joel Ortiz fan because they all had intermingled their careers. And, and for Joe to constantly be like the, the focal point be the focus of all this all this controversy and his external endeavor that actually helped boost the brand too because he, you're talking about joe you're talking about slaughterhouse because guess what people were like man joe ain't shit he should have stayed his ass with slaughterhouse they could be dropping the album right now guess what that's a conversation that's being had yeah and, and even with that regardless of what you think about him being with slaughterhouse someone is still tuning in to joe to watch him do his podcast Yo, or, what are you gonna say next yeah yep, yep. You know what I'm saying? And I, I 100% salute him on that, bro, because... Absolutely. Because, honestly, when you think about it, all the controversy that's around this dude, I don't think it's a bigger hip-hop podcast right now next to Drink Champs. You know really? what I'm saying? No, that, yeah. that's it. Yeah, that's that's it. And he and he came up under, like, the... the uh, what's his name? Uh... Who got locked up? Uh, tax on and yeah. Oh, yeah. Is he home yet? I think he's still in the box. Yeah, I think he's still there. Okay. I know he be t- posting tweets every so often, or somebody post them on his behalf. But I think he's still locked up. You know yeah, what I'm saying? That, that was it. It was Tax Stone and him and, and Dream Champs. But I don't think there's no other big, no other hip hop podcast bigger than that, unless you want to call a million dollars worth the game. And they just to me, they're they're just another. They're 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 lower tier than Joe. Yeah, they, yeah. Got, they, have, they got a partnership with Barstool Sports, so that kind of like diminishes their you know saying their, their opportunity to actually expand and do the shit that Joe was able to do. Joe had a whole fucking network, right? You know what I'm saying? He had a network, and motherfuckers hating on him kind of ruined that. Was that the whole Charlemagne situation? When he when he broke up from his old co-host with Maul and Rory, I think that's it. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, that kind of like made everybody start calling him a bad businessman and it caused a lot of controversy. And then he had he like his biggest podcast episode today. I don't think he had he, any episode ever did these numbers when he had Kevin Samuels on there. Right. And that, that caused a lot of controversy. But Joe never fucking shy away from controversy. He fucking um, fired, he fired one of them niggas on the air. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Doing that Kevin Samuels episode or something right, else? No, right, right. Before the Kevin Samuels episode, no, right after the Kevin Samuels. That was after that. Yeah, after that, that's when he fired uh, Rory. He didn't even fire Maul, but Maul walked away and left with Rory. Them dudes wouldn't even have a podcast. They weren't even interested in podcasting. They was just on his show, but they got a deal because the controversy with Joe. Right, mm-hmm. niggas eat off of Joe. <laughs> well, we may hate him, but hey, I mean. He's- what was the don't issue? Do. What was the issue? Because you know, I don't really follow it like that. Like, if, if something comes up on my on like the YouTube algorithm, every now and then I'll I'll uh I'll check it out, but I don't I don't really be checking for it. What was the issue with Rory? Why why he let him go? My understanding, I don't rem- I don't know all the intricate details of it, but it's my understanding that because they had a deal like what three or four years ago with Spotify, right? And it was like they were like one of the they weren't even this is before Joe Rogan came over there. And I think that Spotify kind of used Joe Budden's podcast as a litmus test just to see how people really 
what people rock with as far as podcasting goes, because now Spotify got every fucking podcast over there. But they had Joe and them on there, and Joe didn't sign a second deal, and he because he wanted he was demanding more money because he was bringing so much traffic over there, and because Rory and Maul wasn't part of the negotiation process, they kind of felt some kind of way. He walked mm. he walked away from that offer and decided to start his own network, and they weren't they felt like they were owed more for what they contributed to the podcast. They wanted to be partners as opposed to just being, you know what I'm saying, co-hosts or whatever. And Joe was like, nah, this is my brand. It's my name on this. You know what I'm saying? I, why would I make you a partner in this when I'm making all the calls? I'm making all the decisions. I'm making all the sacrifices. He was like, you don't even realize that I'm paying you out of my pocket because money's tight over here. He said, you eating good. You get, you know what I'm saying? Spotify wanted to jam us up. I wouldn't let them jam us up. I saved us. Let's rock with it this way. And they were like, nah, I want to see the I want to see the accounting. And it just spiraled out of control from there. Yeah. All money per usual. Usually money. So Yeah, but you're supposed to ask about that doing audits and all that for people who don't know. You're supposed to ask about uh all that to see what what's supposed to go to what and who's supposed to get. That's how it normally goes, but I don't know they they whole situation or how it how it went. But at some point, it, it, it's gonna it's gonna go bad. But my thing, well, not my thing. I would have liked to see Joe step away from the podcast for a week or two weeks. If y'all if y'all can keep the, keep these numbers going while I'm while I'm out the way, then you know what I'm saying I I'll, I'll make a a, a, con, a conservative not a conservative. I'll make a better effort to make sure that you all get some more change. Right, Man, that, Joe would never do that. <laughs> that definitely but I, for me, it would just be the test. Like, can right, you no, can you do this though. without me? Yeah, it makes sense. But for Joe, he, he don't seem right. that that kind of guy. Like, yeah. are, are people gonna are people gonna come up here? Are people gonna come on the show and talk because of you guys? Can you guys have good good uh good guests and good controversial good controversial good episodes good topics and concepts or something like that or am i just the only one really just driving traffic to the podcast if so we're gonna find out over a week or we can have two weeks and after that we'll go from there i would have just done it that way yeah it's uh it's definitely a it's a interesting dynamic because business always kind of like when you when you mix business and friends and kind of it creates a dynamic where people have expectations and you want to be fully transparent in some respects but when you know you're managing a business you know what i'm saying certain things is off limits yeah everybody like everybody want to know the inner workings and the background information on shit until they got until they actually see it for themselves and then all of a sudden it's like oh fuck i ain't want to know all that yeah i know people i know people in situations like that and it's just and then once they show it to to the people that want to be involved, they go, "Yo, I, no, nah, I'm cool, I'm cool." But you told me you wanted to you wanted to see it. And then when you and he said when he was showing it to him, it, he's like, "Yo, this is my baby." You know what I mean? Like if I'm showing you my baby and you want to know the inner workings of it, of it, you have to take care of it and and treat it as your own now. And when he showed it to him, it, you know, it was a negative. Like they didn't they they didn't respond too well to it. And I was like, "Well, you know, that's gonna happen." Everybody ain't gonna treat your dream or or your baby like like you treated it like it's yours, right? Right. And it, and it's it's fair, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things. Like, also we're talking like 
this internet era podcast and being a content creator, all of, this is like really some newfound shit in terms of like this level of success people finding. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, back in the early 2000s or whatever, when YouTube really touched down, it was all experimental. People were just trying out shit. That's why TikTok is so big now and people find a success over there because now it's hard to tell the difference between like uh, some contrived uh, scripted shit versus some shit that's done on the fly because a lot of them are getting really good at it. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it is what it is, man. Everybody want to be famous. Some people want to, some people want to be wealthy. Some people just don't want to, like Joe found an opportunity to, to taste the success that he felt like he would, he deserved when he was a rapper. But it was always right. like Joe was going to have that, man. To me, it was just like Joe was going to always have that, no matter what he decided to do. Because he was always after it. Yeah. Right. Have the focus. So oh, yeah. like, it just so happened he could rap. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, when you, th- you take like uh, Royce, his whole thing, you could tell his, his focus is rapping and making beats and stuff like that. That's what his passion is. Uh, Joe is more of the media guy. He wants to have, he want to have conversations with people. He want to hold those types of, he want to hold those interviews and conversations and, and whether he know what the fuck he talking about or not, he want to be the guy that you come to to have those conversations. He, you know what I'm saying? He's a media guy. Yeah, that's, yeah, he's, yeah, he is. Found his passion in that lane. Yep. It kind of sucks that people can't see that because people's emotions kind of won't allow them to break away from their own, their own stubbornness and kind of like be a little bit more objective. And people want to people want to hate him too, which helps. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Always people want to hate everything though. So yeah, that's big nowadays, especially <laughs> nowadays. The, the anger and the vitriol people have for somebody they really don't know. Yeah, but you know, you look into somebody else live and you can see raggedy stuff they did. But you know, we ain't talking about that. All right. Yeah, they 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 definitely don't want that mirror put in their <laughs> face though. No, no. Not, let's take a look at you now that you've been talking about me. Let's talk about you. Really you step away from it. Like for all the accomplishments and stuff like that, that he, you know what I'm saying? We cited on his end and everybody else associated. You kind of got to look at everybody who got a criticism for that and ask like, what are they really achieving? What are they really doing? Like Charlemagne got a, you know, he got big beef for Joe. He got smoke for Joe whenever it's, it's relevant, but Joe be calling him out on this bullshit. Like, look, dude, I'm trying to do yep. independent, trying to do this my way. You work for somebody. Your checks are guaranteed. I'm taking the hardest path possible, and I'm making shit happen. Yeah. So what's your excuse? Why are you mad at me and telling people that I'm a bad businessman just because I'm trying shit as opposed to, you know, what I'm going saying? along to get along? Like yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm taking all the chances and making all the sacrifices on my own so I can have everything to myself, 100% on and everything, and distribute it while you over there working for somebody. And you're getting a piece of the pie. And just because somebody cut you a deal, you know what I'm saying? You might get it like, I think Charlemagne got like a podcast network with iHeartRadio or some shit like that. Yeah, he does. And uh, it, it was called The Black Effect or something like that. Yeah, that's it, The Black Effect. And that's dope. But guess what? You know that he don't own that 100%. I don't care what nobody say. They don't cut you these types of deals and say, that's all you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that kind of like take me. I could I could just start picking names out of a hat and start using them exa- as examples, like Nick Cannon's deal with with MTV and Viacom. Mm-hmm. You know, and Nick Cannon got deals with multiple networks. You know what I'm saying? Fox, uh, NBC, 
how many how many black people got that type of reach leverage where they can negotiate with competition? Right. They can compete. You know what I'm saying? He's hosting multiple shows on multiple networks and shit. You know what I'm saying? Dude, dude, what 42 years old? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's young as shit. What he doing? Yeah. And he, yeah, so it's like it's all about intention. How intentional are you in your moves? Do you think uh uh on another subject, but since we're in that realm of uh entertainment do you think that uh what's his name glover donald glover donald glover yeah you think he'll do another show or you think he'll be like get off into movies uh either one is possible really like yeah i think he's creative enough it just depends on what he feel like doing i don't i don't see another atlanta like show but like in this last season kind of confirmed it you had a bunch of one-off episodes that dove into you know some kind of I won't say weird but some different areas and you can see he could easily do a movie or some other kind of show mm-hmm. about just about damn near anything. Yeah, dude the sounded and creative. I like him. I gotta catch up on the rest of Atlanta, but he uh he has a penchant for like really t- touching on topics that a lot of people try to avoid. And uh it, with, with him and his brother and his and his partners and that they, they help create that that's 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 something special you don't see that too often you know what i'm saying uh he he even said like because what little dicky showed dave was was basically a bite off of the first two seasons of atlanta that's what made him take this approach because he even calls it out in the description of one of his shows you know what i'm saying where he's like talking about uh how people feel about dave and how they compare dave to him you know what i'm saying like atlanta is his baby Atlanta came out around the same time uh, Insecure came out. Right. You see what I'm saying? And it was a time where, like, the first season of Atlanta, people was almost thinking that they could do a mashup with Insecure. And what he did was he pivoted left and said, nah, we're not even going to be that down. <laughs> and the next season following that was, like, even more over the top. Yep. He wanted to make sure he separated himself from everybody. Why? What is the deal with this pairing up? And, and I, I guess, you know, what what's the saying? What's the phrase? Imitation is the highest sincerity, it's the highest form. Yeah, yeah. I mean, something to that, but overall, yeah. I mean, everybody like, man, you know, put me on. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we can both do this together. Like, not necessarily. Don't no. always need to be. Together. You know what I'm saying? It's, you see you that in the music game. You see that just out on any level doing music. Somebody always like if you got if you got the component that they're missing, they want to convince you that you that they got the component that you're missing. Like you got all these damn beats. What you need is a dope rapper. Nah, actually, I can sell instrumentals. Can you sell acapellas? Not really, because don't nobody want to hear that shit all day. <laughs> right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's all about just understanding what your value is and understanding what the value of your product is. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like maybe one day, I'm like you know, it'd be cool if uh, you know Issa Rae and Glover got together. Like, okay, yeah, I mean that's something that you know, put in the back of your mind. Like, hey, maybe one day, but they don't need to mash them up as soon as possible. Like season right. one, and like, oh yeah, they cross over and meet. No, let them do their thing. They they already got a vision. It's let a big them see their vision. Like I, I thoroughly enjoyed this last season of Atlanta. I was like, yeah, I was like, even though the the intermittent one offs were 
outside of the scope of what the main theme of the show was, he really touched on some shit that black Man. people historically have been talking about amongst ourselves. <laughs> yeah, he put it all he out. Illu- he illustrated it. <laughs> He illustrated it in a visual form. <laughs> man, man. <laughs> those, those are some of my favorites, actually. Shoot. Yeah. Hey, I actually, when that season was over, I started all the way over from the top and watched all, all of them all over again. It was like, you know what? This dude's his mind. You don't you don't see that very often. No. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna have to go back and check it out so I can get more familiar. When I, I need to finish up. I don't know. Yeah, check it out. But I, need, I do need to finish them. I'll finish them all. But your boy got so much going on, man. It's kind of hard to sit down and focus on that. Yeah, I get it. I understand. It'd be like that. Yeah. I think we done here, though. Ladies and gentlemen, Word. this has been the link up where we sync up, drink up, stink up, and think up. Word. Hope you had a good time listening to our opinions and views. If you would like to comment, send questions, subscribe, rate the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and every other form of thingamajigam that's out there. We would appreciate it. And as always, remember the mission statement when you're striving for greatness. God never puts you in the driver's seat when it's taken. We are done.